Good morning. It's seven minutes after 10 o'clock, and Brian reminded me during the break. Uh, so let me do this very quickly before we uh, bring on David Stokes from the Show Me Institute. The, uh, the CC City Broiler Christmas Dinner... Uh, that I told you about on the 16th, which is a Saturday of De- Saturday the 16th of December at 12 noon. If you want to go, go to GaryNolan.com and then uh, send me a message, your phone number, your name, and the number of people. And I will get around. I will send you all a, a quick message saying, you know, you're, you're in. But what Brian reminded me, and this happened last year, somebody complained. They said, oh, I thought you were buying. <laughs> no, I am not buying 75 people dinner at CCC. Why Broadway. not? Uh, because I'm working in because radio. Because you're a multimillionaire. You can afford it. You're not supposed to tell people about I'm how wealthy sorry. I am. I looked you up. <laughs> I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you have to pay for your own dinner. But the, the, uh, the, it's just so much fun. The camaraderie. Uh, we, we walk around. We chat with everybody. Um, and it's it's just uh, it's a great day. We get a couple of uh, speakers in the restaurant. It's all ours. We don't have to worry about anything else. We can talk and 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 talk loudly, and nobody cares. It's all just us. So if you want to go, that's what you do. Go to GaryNolan.com. Your name, your phone number, number of people. Um, December sixteenth, twelve o'clock noon. CC City Broiler, and uh, we'll go from there. In the meantime, why? Why would you want choice? Why would you want the opportunity to uh, get veneers put on your teeth or remove braces or have jewelry put on your teeth? Why would you do that uh, to begin with? But why would you want choice? No, 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 no. Not when the state regulators can get in the way. David Stokes is with us. He is the director of municipal policy at the Show Me Institute. So who are these terrible people, David, who are offering to remove braces uh, at le- for less money than uh, my dentist would? Well, they're, they're not offering to remove braces, per se. That that might be a little trickier. It's even sillier what, what this one lady is being sued over by the State Division of Dental Licensing. Uh, she's offering, she's not offering, she's charging people to help them replace the rubber bands on their braces. Far, far, far easier than putting on braces or removing them. My son has braces. He puts his rubber bands on and off all the time. But anybody can do it. But for some people, if you have trouble, there's this one lady who offers to do it for a small fee. And she's being sued for practicing dentistry without without a license. Now, there's a few other things she's offering that we'll get into in a second. But it's just preposterous, the idea that if you, want, if you for whatever reason, you're not coordinated enough, on and on, want to pay somebody to help you get your rubber bands for your braces on and off, you should be able to do that without the state stepping in and suing you to close down. Yeah, why would you want choice? Uh, she's also putting jewelry on teeth. I, I, you're, are they bedazzling their teeth now? Is that, is that something I new? I think they are. I think, I think, it's, a new, I think it's a new style that, that some young people like, and it's called these, these veneers. And there are different types of veneers, and she, from what I understand, is doing these sort of replaceable, purely cosmetic veneers. You know, you put them on over your teeth, to you put a little glitz and glam, uh, whatever you want, you take them off. There's, there's also more permanent veneers, and uh, I think she'd have a, there's maybe the state has a better argument in those cases, maybe, but these just sort of replaceable, 
flip them on, take them off, cosmetic veneers, which they don't do anything to your teeth other than make them sort of look prettier if that's what you're into. And she's being sued for that as well. And the frustrating part of all of this is that there's been no, reading the stories on this, there's no indication that anybody has been harmed in any of these, pra- in any of these practices. Well, the actually, is, that's not, David, that's not true. Dentists have been harmed. Exactly. And that is almost assuredly who filed this complaint. Is some type of dentist or dental hygienist coming across this on Facebook and filing it. Because nobody, nobody's been physically hurt. And as long as she is not telling people that she's a dentist, as long as she's not committing fraud, then this is just a good example of how, how our occupational licensing rules are way out of whack in this country and in this state and how it's gone way too far, and we've removed the ability of free people to choose whether they want to pay somebody else to take the rubber bands on and off their braces for them. And now the state is involved saying you have to be a dentist. Obviously, as your listeners know it, becoming a dentist is not cheap. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars in several years of your life. And it's just a very frustrating example of the state stepping in on something where they really for the most part, have no business being involved in here. I gave a, a talk to a group of doctors a couple of years ago about licensing by the state because I don't think the state should license any of this. I think, you know, you, you could have a private organization that says uh, we endorse so-and-so, they, they've filled out all the requirements and they are a legitimate dentist and, uh, and, and you know, every dentist would pay a fee for that advertisement uh, and there may be others who who know what they're doing but aren't dentists maybe they limit themselves to removing braces or uh, putting on what they I, I think what you're talking about here the it's not bejeweled it's uh, grills they call them a grill uh, and you could say well I want to go there I don't it, it's less money and I'll and I'll take that chance uh, I, it, I don't like licensing by the state at all. Um, I think private organizations can do it much better. And that, Gary, that used to be the standard in America, where the good housekeeping seal of approval was highly sought after as a voluntary, as a voluntary thing for, for all sorts of occupations that dealt with people in their homes. That used to be the standard. Now let me give you a current occupation where, where that's basically the standard, and that's information technology right now. If you've ever dealt with IT guys, you know, they often, IT men and women, have a series of initials behind their name to say what qualifications they've met, what classes they've passed, what programs they're, they're certified in. That's all voluntary, and it's wonderful like that. Because people in that IT, they can hire based on those, those designations. They can, they can train additional up. They can do lots of things, but there's no state involvement. And I would say... You know, what industry in America has grown faster and more successfully over the past 30, 40 years than IT? And there's almost no government regulation of who can get into IT and how they do. So that's, we should have a lot more occupations generally modeled that way and far less about the Board of Dental Licensing suing people for putting, for putting grills on or helping people with their rubber bands and, and their braces. It's just completely out of whack. Well, while I don't disagree with you on anything you've just said, I regret you saying it out loud because I know politicians listen to the program. And they're going to go, what? 
we're not regulating IT. And the next thing you know, it, uh, you'll have to have a license from some board of IT uh, examiners. Uh, you'll have to spend $20,000, go to classes for four years um, in order to do this. Because that's the way government works. And they do this because they think you shouldn't sure. be able to make those choices because you're, you're too stupid. stupid. Drives up prices. Okay, me, Go ahead. Let me quickly give you one example where the politicians in Missouri got it right at, overall. And in the end, it took too long. But for years, African-style hair braiders were required to get a cosmetology license. Took a year in school, thousands and thousands of dollars. The courses didn't cover African-style hair braiding in the slightest. So there were lawsuits filed by the Institute for Justice, which is a great organization. And finally, before that lawsuit was finalized, uh, the state passed an amendment to the licensing law led by my former state rep, a gentleman named Shemed Dogan, who, who really got the Division of Professional Registration to create an African hair braiding license, which was much, much simplified and cheaper and easier to get than, than the uh, cosmetology license. Anybody can get it quickly and affordably. Now, we might say they shouldn't have to do that at all, and I, I agree. But at least it got far, far, far better, easier and quicker for anybody to get. Because one of the harms of occupational licensing, it's not just theoretical, but it's very real. As it becomes more expensive to enter occupations, you limit the job prospects for a lot of young people. And, of course, that's done intentionally to benefit the current practitioners of the of that practice, whatever it may be. And in the blog post I wrote on this dental lawsuit, I cited a study from a, several years ago that found, not surprisingly, in, in areas with more strict dental licensing, dental dental dentist incomes go up twelve to fifteen percent. So it's really there. It's a protectionist racket in the vast majority of cases. Yeah, and it also makes it harder for poorer people to get any work done at all. Because they can't afford those higher prices. P poorer people and also those those recently, you know, off of parole or off probation, out of, out of jail. A lot of times those people have been prevented historically from entering certain occupations, even if they're ones that there's just no connection to that act that they should be allowed into. And Missouri has actually made some improvements in recent years to that as well. I wonder if, like, the Pacific Legal Foundation or... Fire one of these other groups, the libertarian groups, will will take up the cause uh, and challenge this in court. I hope this young lady is able to reach out to some of them. I I presume she's trying to defend herself. I hope so. And the Pacific Legal Foundation is a great group. Institute for Justice, a great group that does a lot of work on this licensing issue. And it really is nationally. We're finally starting to see the argument turn. About a decade ago, you you really finally started to see people realize the harms that this was coming from. And the Show Me Institute has been ahead of the curve on this, and we've been writing about the harms of licensing for many years, and you can find a lot of stuff up on our website at showmeinstitute.org. All right, and that's uh, the great place to go to get all that information. David Stokes, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Gary. Always great to talk to you, sir. All right, buddy, take care. Coming up, voter ID in the state of Missouri. New police chief in the city of Columbia. We've got an incredible story about the mayor of the city of Columbia. That'll be at 11 o'clock. And then Dave Rowland. All that coming up on Think Tank Thursday. Gary Nolan, Zimmer, Radio Network. Coming up, uh, the new police chief 
for the city of Columbia, Missouri. Uh, this is uh, this is momentous uh, for for me anyway, uh, because uh, when I support a candidate for anything in the city of Columbia, uh, they go down <laughs> they go down in flames, and so I'm always a little leery about doing that. Um, but I, I I apparently have uh, the curse has been lifted. Yes. Uh, this is good news. Uh, so we'll do that uh, with uh, the new police chief. And then uh, at the top, uh, at 11.05, at 11.05, uh, we will have Mike Murphy on. He's got a story at Como Buzz that I was, I mean, I was stunned when I read this about the mayor and her trip to China. I was stunned. If you're if you're a Columbia resident or, uh, you know, in, in this uh, general area up here, You'll want to hear this, because I hadn't heard it anywhere else. That's coming up at uh, 11 to 5. Dave Rowland, of course, uh, will be with us as well. Uh, the Columbia Missourian Rights Challenge to Missouri Voter ID Law focuses on barriers faced by the elderly and the disabled. So, Democrats in particular seem to think that voter identification isn't necessary for voting. And I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why. To qualify uh, for voting, uh, the identification has to be Missouri or federally issued with a photo, date of birth, expiration date. That's on voter ID. That's on driver's license, um, a passport, whatever. Uh, identification that has expired since the most recent general election is also acceptable. So it seems pretty, pretty loose and easy. If you don't have one of those forms of identification, you can cast a provisional ballot. Uh, for that ballot to be counted, the voter has to return to the polling place, show an acceptable ID. Um, and then the way they write this is uh, kind of peculiar. Or they have to hope the signature on the ballot is considered a valid match with their signature on file. So the left don't like this, and they have a couple of examples. A Columbia woman who has epilepsy since she was a teenager, has mobility issues, her non-driver identification expired in 2021, uh, voting's the only reason that she would need to get it renewed, uh, so getting to the state license office is difficult because she relies on public transit that would drop her off on a busy roadway with no sidewalks, preventing her from using her rollator. I mean, they are really scraping the barrel here uh, to find somebody who's been affected. So my first argument is very, very, very few people are going to have a problem with this. But if she can get public, if she can get Uber or a taxi, I mean, how is she getting to vote? Why can't she use the same method to get the the state ID? And does she get any other government benefits? And what kind of ID does she show for that? Uh, then they have Kimberly Morgan of Fenton, who has her name misspelled on her birth certificate on her state-issued identification card and her marriage certificate. She's been unable to get it corrected to match her name on the voter registration rolls because the state requires her to find a document at least five years old that contains the correct full name, her age, date of birth, 
uh, and uh, the date the document was prepared. Well, Cohen is under that spelling, but it's not the end of the world here. And then they show, they, they, I mean, they're just, these are really stretches. The voter ID law, by and large, has worked. If you want to vote, I mean, it shouldn't, there's, there's no law that says you shouldn't have to lift a finger to vote. If you care enough to vote, if you want to vote, I mean, it, it, for years, you know, when I was growing up in, and this is Ohio, I understand it was different. But I used, I remember having to go down to the Board of Elections to register to vote. It didn't come with my driver's license. Uh, it wasn't available on the interwebs. I had to go down there and register to vote. And I did it because voting was important to me. You may have to lift a finger to vote. That's not the end of the world. And what we're trying to do is prevent people from cheating. If you want security, you may have to do this. But for some reason, the Democrats don't want security. I can't imagine what that would be. I don't know why they would want to make it vulnerable, the, the election, vulnerable to cheating. When this would help prevent cheating, I don't, I don't know, Brian, maybe they've got some ulterior motive. I, oh, no, I'm sure that this is completely purely, on the up and up. Yeah. They just want to make sure those couple people are able to cast their votes. It's really they, difficult, you know. They have to lift a finger. I mean, it's really, you got to do a little bit of work under the right circumstances. And if they're going to vote, you can't tell me they can't go to get a voter ID. It's just, it's, it's just making the system vulnerable and it makes me suspicious. So they are challenging the Missouri voter ID law. And I think, I think they're on the wrong track. I really do. Uh, the mayor of Columbia, Barbara Buffalo, took a trip to China. And I was stunned to find out uh, who helped get her there. You're going to want to pay attention because Mike Murphy from Como Buzz is going to be on. By the way, did she wear her T-shirt when she went? That she's the effing mayor? Uh-huh. No, what a class act. <laughs> what a class act. Boy, I am so proud of her. Um I just wanted to say that Mike Murphy has his own show now on our home station. Sunday mornings from 8 until 10 a.m. Uh, he uh, talks about current events and things going on in uh, in the city. So that's, uh, that's good news. All right, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572. The, um, the CC's dinner is already, like, uh, more than a third booked. Um, so if you want in, you're going to have to respond kind of quickly because it, it looks like it's going quickly. Go to GaryNolan.com. Name, number, number of people. Uh, it'll be on the 16th of December, 12 o'clock at CC's. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 
1035 on a Think Tank Thursday. Glad to have you with us. And uh, coming up, uh, the mayor went to China. Wait until you see who helped her get there. I was stunned when I read it. Como Buzz has this story. Then Dave Rowland is going to be with us. I'm going to ask Dave Rowland, Brian, about that uh, um, that dentistry thing. Oh, yeah. That, I would that's be interested sort of thing. to hear what he thinks about that. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I have a record. And until yesterday, my record was intact. <laughs> it was perfect. All I had to do was support a candidate that I thought was perfect for whatever position in central Missouri was available. And you could pretty much count on them going down the dumper. It was flawless every single time. And then I recommended uh, uh, and, and came out on, on the radio and said, Jill Schlute ought to be the next chief of police. And I told you not to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Jill ruined my record. Uh, I said uh, she should be the next chief of police. I gave a whole bunch of reasons why. And somehow they've made her the new chief of police. So uh, you're not quite sworn in yet, but Chief, welcome, congratulations. Thank you, and good morning. Uh, really glad that uh, that uh, they they made that choice. As I argued, you know the system, you know the officers, you've been involved in uh, Columbia for decades. Um, certainly, the perfect choice. What is your, uh, if I may ask, uh, your first goal? What do you want to achieve? Well, I, I'm really going to push to come up with a recruitment and retention plan within very short order. I think that's going to be one of the keys to us moving forward with a lot of other initiatives that, that we would like to see within the department and I think that the community expects. But until we get more folks in positions to just do basic uh, answering 911 and radio calls, it's going to be tough to fulfill <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot of other missions. So I think recruiting and retention is going to be my my. Very, very short-term goal. There is a metric for uh, figuring out how many police officers you need based on population, et cetera. Um, how close are we to having an appropriate number of police officers on the streets? You know, there's a lot of different calculations out there. There's an FBI calculation. There's a lot of different staffing, uh, you know, theories out there. I think over the years, one thing that's pr remained pretty constant throughout the past couple of chiefs is the idea that we, we probably need about 50 more positions at the police department. Um, the problem is right now we're at, I think, 37 or 38 vacancies. Um, just last week, we received three more resignations, so that number will go up. But uh, until we can get to at least staff to what our authorized strength is now, it's very, very difficult to fill a lot of extra roles, and we're carrying vacancies in every part of the department. So um, it doesn't do us any good to go to council, I think, at this point and say, hey, we need more positions and we can't fill the ones that we have. But ideally, long after I retire, the city's going to have to really work towards increasing that number. Um, you know, if if you'll take people who are 70 and older, Brian might be. <laughs> <laughs> No, huh? I'm I'm actually no a trans ager. No I uh, I identify as 30 years old, so I'd be perfect candidate for the police department. Don't you think? <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to say anything because I'm I'm afraid to see pictures of myself now versus what they could be in three or four years because I don't think 
we tend to age very well as police chiefs, but I'm going to try to be optimistic. <laughs> well, look at the bright side. Brian gets a ticket just for showing his driver's license to the police. They'd look at the picture and they go, oh, my God, here, cuff him. <laughs> so, uh, um, what are some of the, the complaints that you have heard uh, from uh, the police review board uh, that you think are, uh, you know, valid that you need to go after? Well, I'm not going to say valid or invalid, but ones you think your priority is, uh, your your top priority. I haven't had a lot of recent interaction with them as, as a board, um, but I would say, I, I think a recurring thing that I keep hearing is, you know, we keep hearing this word transparency, and sometimes it gets overused, but I think we do have some opportunities to, provide them with information that gives them more context without violating the officer's rights. Um, we used to do some pretty robust uh, internal affairs reporting that I, gave, I think gave people, especially the board, a good snapshot about where we were at. And they were real numbers, real calculations about how often we use force, when and what situations, what type, and then also the type of things that we were getting receiving internal and external complaints about and then the outcome of those complaints without revealing any information about the, the actual people being involved. So I'm going to definitely be talking with the legal department about how we can possibly get closer to giving them more information while definitely protecting the officer's rights. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm going to let you go back and, 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 uh, and, and go to work because we're, we're paying you to you know, we want you to, we want our money's worth. Absolutely. What is the number one complaint that people have, citizens have, uh, when they call the police department in Columbia? Boy, I would say low, uh, consistently we get, we're getting a lot of feedback about people just being generally upset about how long it takes to get police service. Uh, and obviously that's a byproduct of just staffing numbers. Um, beyond that, I would think, you know, you always have people that are upset about maybe the outcome of something. Uh, but I think that's what we have some of the processes that we have for. But I see a lot of folks having to call back in repeatedly at joint communication saying, hey, how long is it going to be? When is an officer going to be here? And, and that's just something that we're only going to be able to fix uh, uh, through numbers and also looking at ways we can be more efficient, right? There may be some things that we just as the police need to say, this isn't in our, our wheelhouse uh, as something we probably need to spending law enforcement time on. So definitely going to challenge staff to start looking for those things to give our officers more time. Well, uh, again, congratulations. I think you are the right person for the job. Uh, and I, I look forward to the, uh, seeing the safety in the city of, of Columbia uh, maintained. I think you, uh, you're going to do a great job. So take care and best of luck. Thank you. All right. Chief Jill Schlutie. She's not really the chief yet, Brian, but she will be, uh, what, December 3rd? December 3rd, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Who could, who'd have thunk it? I actually, I nailed that one. She ruined my record. That's a good thing, though, you know? Actually, December 4th, that would December be... December 4th. Yeah, it would be uh, Monday. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. All right. Um, is, this, is this... I'm, I'm going to play some audio... And I'm not sure if this is a sign of things to come. I've been arguing for a while that I don't believe that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. Are we having a problem with our phones here? What's, yes, <laughs> what's we going on? All right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. And there's a part of me that thinks he knows that. Let me lay out the plan for you. Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Donald Trump wins. Donald Trump versus 
a younger, healthier Democrat, perhaps they win. But it's cast right now in stone. If Trump runs against Biden, Trump will win. So what would be the smart move on the part of the Democrats? It would be to pull Biden at the last minute so that you've got Donald Trump versus another Democrat. And it doesn't have to be. It could be anyone. It can be anyone. Donald Trump has a record he has to uh, uh, support. The, the anyone candidate's never been president. He doesn't have to or she doesn't have to. So this audio, I think, kind of lends itself to the belief that Joe Biden knows what's going to happen. I'll play this for you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get the, uh, the commercial break here out of the way. But when you hear what he said, that's next on The Gary Nolan Show. Zimmer Radio Network. Are the Democrats McCaskilling the Republicans? I've been suggesting this for the longest time. Good morning. It's 49 minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, Mike Murphy is going to be with us. A story you have got to listen to, especially if you live in Colombia. It's about the mayor and her trip to China. But we'll get to that. In the meantime, what I mean by McCaskill, the Democrats set it up with all these challenges to, to uh, uh, Donald Trump to irritate, and, and it works, too, because there's a, there's a part of me that wants him to win just to shove it up, well, you know where. Um, and then at the last minute, they dump Biden. Because whoever they put up against Trump will have a much better chance than Biden. Right now, all the, you know, all the polling indicates that you know, even Democrats don't want Biden to run. So what happens if at the last minute they throw in, you know, the governor of California, who some people think is already running a kind of a shadow campaign? What do they put Gavin Newsom in there? Well, a lot of Democrats will come back in and vote for Gavin Newsom. They might not vote for Biden. And Biden's got another problem here. Uh, a problem of the left, and that is uh, his uh, support of Israel. They're saying that they're not going to come out and vote for him because he's supporting Israel. He's losing Hispanics and blacks, uh, suburban women. He's he's missing he's missing a lot of those votes that he had last time around. So maybe Joe Biden knows this is the plan. Maybe this is. Something that he's in support of. Let me uh, let me play this audio of uh, President Biden talking in California. I want to talk about Governor Newsom. I want to thank him. He's been one hell of a governor, man. Matter of fact, he could be anything you want. He could have the job I'm looking for. He could have the job I'm looking for. See. He, it, it, it's it, setting I'm, him up, uh, huh? He's setting him up, isn't he? Though it sounds like it. He he might not be. I mean, this this he, Biden just might be crazy enough to think he can win. But it sounds like, you know, he could he could go for the job. I'm I'm trying to get reelected. Could be. 
They get us all set up. We get Trump in there. And then at the last minute, they put in Gavin Newsom or some other Democrat. I, I really, you know, I'm looking at what's going on in New Hampshire and how uh, Biden's not on the, on the ballot up there. Um, these people who are in his party that are upset with him don't want him to run for re-election. Young people who are struggling to make their payments. I think he's, he's got a real problem. I think the Democrats have a real problem. And they just may pull the rug out from under him. Or he may do it himself. I don't know. I think that's a possibility. And I think it more and more all the time. Uh, another story out of the Columbia, Missouri, and, uh, deals with student debt. As student debt payments resume, Missouri borrowers express uncertainty and hope. Story is by uh, Ansley uh, Franco. This is, uh, it, it, I'm curious about this. Payments for student loans have resumed for 28 million borrowers after a three-year pandemic relief program, which, by the way, was just purely inflationary. That money that they weren't spending making those payments went out into the marketplace. Uh, Biden is trying to find a way around this. He's trying to, to pay off student loan debt. This is debt that people voluntarily took on. This is debt that they signed up for. No one forced them to. No one put a gun to their head and said, sign here, we're going to loan you this money, and you have to pay it back. They did it of their own volition. And now they don't want to pay it back. And Biden doesn't want them to pay it back. He wants to forgive student loan debt so he can get young people to vote for him. He came up with a plan to forgive student loan debt by like 20 grand. Uh, but the Supreme Court said, no, no, that, that, that's not going to fly. We're not going to do this. So borrowers are, are, according to the Missourian, navigating the resumed student loan repayments. The average monthly payment, $503, takes 20 years to repay. In Missouri, more than 800,000 borrowers have student loan debt. They make it sound as though they were, you know, it was thrust upon them. Through no fault of their own, 800,000 students have debt. Student borrowers for the state face uncertainty. But they're also hopeful about opportunities uh, that the education will afford them. You signed up for it. You said, yes, I want this money. Now pay it back, damn it. There's no reason that I should be paying it back. We're $33 trillion in debt. In 10 years, we'll be spending, I think, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it's going to be a huge percent, more than we spend on defense, just to service the debt. And you don't want to pay for the money you borrowed? Get off your ass and get a job. Find something to do so you can pay it back. And here's a, here's a little bright light for you borrowers out there. The average payment is $500. 
if inflation continues at its current rate, that $500 will be a fraction of your income. The government keeps spending money. That debt gets much easier to manage. It's ridiculous. You ask for the money. How could they dare be upset about it? What a bunch of spoiled little snots. Do your damn job. Pay the bet. Pay back the debt. Um, coming up, Dave Rowland is going to be with us. He'll be on board about 10 minutes um, after the, uh, after, uh, about about quarter after, actually, 11. Missouri Attorney General releases Kim Gardner investigative report. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, the court's uh, state officials hesitate to keep Trump off the 2024 ballot here in Missouri. Uh, and we're also going to talk to him. I don't know if this is in his wheelhouse or not. But this woman who is, and, and we talked about this with the Show Me Institute, uh, she is uh, putting, I guess, grills or jewelry on people's teeth that want it, um, putting in the rubber bands. Uh, I've seen those. I, I, I didn't have braces. As you can tell, I could bite an apple through a picket fence. But they um, they got these little tiny rubber bands that some people have a hard time putting on when they're wearing braces. And this woman is, for a small charge, helping them put the rubber bands on. She's not doing anything really major, major league dental. But they're going after her because they're saying she's doing dental work. And I don't know if Dave Rowland, if, if this is in his wheelhouse... But I'm going to find out uh, because I don't think it's fair that she should be getting uh, punished for what she's doing. This is just some dentist who is, uh, who's upset that he's not making the money. And it's taking away choice if they succeed. Also, a doctor suing the Mayo Clinic over academic freedom violations. So Dave Rowland has got a ton of things that he wants to talk about. Very quick update. Do not send or ask for an invitation to the CC City Broiler Dinner anywhere else except at GaryNolan.com. There are no cookies. You don't have to register. You don't have to sign up. You just go there. Send me a message. You tell me your name, your phone number, and the number of guests that you want. Uh, it, will come, uh, it will come to me. Because if you send them to my uh, other uh, email address or you uh, do it on Facebook, I have no way of scavenging all of that efficiently. It's December 16th. That's a Saturday at 12 noon at CC's. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 